Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, it's about time to do another request. And uh, as always, we put the requests to our patrons. Every time we get a request from somewhere, we put it into a big, long request list. Then we uh, make a little poll. We grab a few of them, and we send them to our patrons, and we say, which would you guys like us to do? And then they vote on them, and we do those. Well, this time, the, there was a, a dead tie between two. We were going to break the tie, but then I just thought, why don't we just do both of them? <laughs> People are equally interested in hearing us do the Toby Hooper-directed Funhouse. And uh, this movie that we're doing today, the first one, is The Initiation from 1984. I, I do need to mention that uh, Leah originally requested this, um, and uh, also a loyal listener and patron, Gary, has uh, requested it a couple times as well. So they're the ones for uh, responsible for initially bringing it to our attention. But uh, I was excited to see it because I remember the box art from being a kid. And uh, also, it stars Daphne Zuniga in her very first uh, starring role, really. The- yeah, yeah. She only did one other movie before this, and that was um, when she was still in college, and it was kind of a student pick that was sort of put together uh, called The Dorm That Dripped Blood, and we oh, yeah. reviewed that as well, remember? Yeah. And that was interesting, but... Uh, it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, for sure. It was definitely a low-budget, uh, you could tell, labor of love for a bunch of college students. Didn't she get her head run over in that movie? <laughs> or was that yeah, somebody else? Right. She, she died really early on. Yeah, I think she had her head run over. Yeah, so that was disappointing. But here you get to see her through the whole thing. Yeah. And then, what, like a couple years after this, she went on to do Spaceballs. I think uh. just a couple years. <laughs> Thus began her career, and I think she's still steadily working, uh, both in so. television and in movies. So Anyway, I had not actually seen this before uh, tonight. So uh, how about you, Craig? Do you have any history with The Initiation? No, I remember the box art, too. Um, God, I can just picture it in my head. It's like, you know, a a woman as a, like, taper candle. When you said, (laughs) let's think about doing this one, I honestly would have bet you $5 that we had already done it. I just had it in my mind that we had already done it. I think I was thinking of the house on Sorority Row for some reason. I don't know. I I agree. I kind of felt like... um the, the box art's not too dissimilar. It's just, just and then it's got a kind of a woman scantily dressed on it. Of course, this one she's a candle, and that one she's not. I don't know. There's something about the two movies too that feel I don't like know. They're, they're kind of in the same. Yeah, they're both sorority movies. Mm-hmm. Both of them kind of deal with you know typical Greek prank hijinks gone awry. But well, they're not the same movie. <laughs> no. so, as a, as a, as big as a surprise as it was to me, they're not. Um, and I know that probably I sound like a broken record because I feel like I say this all the time. But I can't believe I haven't seen this before. Right? I don't know how it slipped through the cracks for me. I like it streams everywhere. Like I've seen. I I just think that I had convinced myself that I had seen it. So <laughs> I never I never clicked on it because I thought that I had already seen it. Yeah. But no, I hadn't. This was the first time. I didn't really know anything about it. I just sat down uh, in my living room and watched it yesterday. The only thing that I knew about it was that it had something to do with like a sorority initiation um, and that Daphne Zuniga was in it. And the fact that Daphne Zuniga was in it was enough for me because I just, I don't know. It's not like I'm going to start the Daphne Zuniga fan club or anything, but I just really like her. She's cute and she's more than cute. She's really pretty. She has great hair. (laughs) (laughs) That's in my notes somewhere. Daphne Zuniga has great hair. <laughs> and she's she's fun. And she's she's very, very young and fresh-faced in this. And yeah. just very beautiful and, and very easy to get on board with as a Scream Queen. Honestly, she is. Because she's just got that girl-next-door sort of look. But, but yeah. probably prettier than most of the girls live next door to me. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. It's just like she's got... I will, I will not say she's the best actress in the world. Yeah. Um, but... I, I don't mind uh, what she does. Like, what she does, her shtick, her thing is is totally great. I mean, she's just that girl next door. She's kind of plucky, kind of uh, vanilla. You know, you can just kind yeah. of put anything on top of her, really. You know, and Well, I she's think that... so young here. I mean, you have to kind of curb your expectations. I mean, she's a child, you know? Yeah. Like, she, this, is, this is the very beginning of her career. Now, to be fair, I haven't really kept up with her career. What I do know is that she is hilarious 
in Spaceballs. Like, oh yeah, God, yeah. It will forever live rent free in my mind. Her singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen in that deep baritone <laughs> in a jail cell. That is one of the funniest scenes ever. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> so I'm I'm a fan. Anyway, she's in this movie, and you know, as far as the movie is concerned, eh. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, nothing really to write home about. I'm not going to be too critical of this movie. It is very same samey with a lot of the other 80s slashers that we've done. But then there's like this sort of, uh, sort of a subgenre of the paint by numbers 80s slashers that seem to care a little bit more about characterization and story, or at least trying to. Even yeah. if they didn't really. F- and a mystery. You know, like this movie. I kind of think the script is a mess, honestly, and I don't think the script is very good. But um, they're trying. Like, you can tell they're trying to be a little more dramatic. It reminded me a little bit of, well, the house on Sorority Row, really. Curtains. Pieces. Pieces, yeah. Maybe a little bit of... um, I don't know. It's just what what is it I'm looking for? It's it's I like don't know. There's, a mis- there's like a soap opera quality to it because right there are several tropes. You know, you know, one of the tropes of um of horror period is opening the movie with a traumatic childhood event. Like we we definitely get yeah. that. <laughs> Usually involving sex. <laughs> yes, you, yeah, uh, sex and death, some combination of uh-huh. the two. Uh, you see it all the time, and we get it here. This, this, it's a, it's a stormy night. <sighs> Gosh, you, but you said stuff about the script, and and I agree with you. I think that there's, I don't know, it, I don't know if it's overwritten or what. But first of all, the the first thing that I always look at when I look to. <laughs> see these movies <laughs> is how long they are and right. and i you know alan was sitting behind me doing a puzzle and i went oh man it's over an hour and a half <laughs> yeah, by, by what seven minutes <laughs> by, like, by like seven minutes but i think that was at least seven minutes too much like oh, yeah. i think that they could have trimmed this down to a slim 120 and it would have been fine i was definitely looking at my watch through i was like god it's not over yet why is this still going on it felt like a two-hour movie it, it did. Really did and and there were some scenes that i was rolling my eyes and like why is this conversation happening yeah, like, yeah this is the weirdest <laughs> thing to bring up Three way, three quarters of the way into the movie, like right. this, wo- this woman like trauma dumps on all yeah. of her friends. Like, <laughs> oh my God. what? What? <laughs> Almost immediately, I was thinking like, um, like a Gremlins. You remember how suddenly yes. there's that really odd moment in Gremlins where where she just like talks about this horrible thing that happened to her when she was a kid, and it just feels very out of place. Well, I know, but I feel like in that movie, it's intentional, and Phoebe Cates. And, you know, Richard Donner, the director, whoever, they played it super, super straight. Yeah. So that it would be funny. Yeah. In this movie, it's played super, super straight, but I don't think it's supposed to be funny, and it's not. No. It's just weird. Like, okay, <laughs> thanks for that little story of your youth. What I was thinking is you've had about an hour and 15 minutes of what is essentially just a whole bunch of drama events happening between people and supposed character building which doesn't really work and then uh, you know before we even get to much of the killing by then three people are dead that we don't even know very well or care too much about and it's like it was this supposed to be a slasher movie and then you realize it's oh it's like it's going to be within the last 20 minutes that everybody's together in what is uh, supposed to be a department store and uh, they all get cut up and so once you realize that's happening you're like all right well the movie must be ending soon And now suddenly, like you said, this character is suddenly telling her life story. Like, you had an hour to do that. (laughs) I mean, why are you doing it now? I'm ready for the movie to be done and for people to get killed. So uh, you should be killing her, not telling us her backstory. Yeah. I, I have several problems with the writing, and one of them is the end, which obviously we will spoil, but it's a little early for that. Oh, it's very twisty. The, The other big... Well, okay, aside from the childhood trauma, which I'll get back to in a second, the other big trope is, I know you love a movie set in the mall, so I figured that this would be, like, right. a really good thing in your book. <laughs> like, check I mean, in a mall, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that was a consolation for me. <laughs> That's what it was. I was like, oh, well, at least we're going to be in a mall for the last part of this movie. That is, like, yeah, the it, biggest, weirdest mall I've ever... I've never been in a mall like that. Well, it's It not, looks more like a convention center or a hotel. Like, it, it is. It was what, like, 
I don't know, six or eight stories? You know, it's the Dallas Market Center. And the crazy thing is, I looked all this up afterwards, but watching this movie and seeing this, they, they are calling it the build, uh, the Pruitt Building or whatever. I can't remember. what. No, not Pruitt. Whatever the guy's last name last is. Last name, yeah. Building. Yeah. And so it's her father's building. And they keep talking about, early on in the movie, they're talking about how they're going to do the like their senior prank there because she has the keys to the building. And so they want her to help them all, the, the pledges, sneak in. And they're going to steal the uniform of the security guard, which is bizarre. I don't know how they thought they were going to do that. Then it's called a department store. But when you walk in, no, it's, it's it looks like an it's a giant atrium. Yeah, huge atrium with floors. You know what? Twenty like marble floors. floors. Well, yeah, it's yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's enormous. I mean, I have I have been in buildings like that. Like I've been in hotels like that. They're all centered around a huge atrium. But I've never been in a mall like that. And right, they call it they call it a department store. No, that's not a department no, store. A department store is like not. a JC Penney or a Marshalls or something. Like <laughs> this is clearly a mall. But they do spend the majority of their time like in housewares. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the bed this store. This <laughs> movie could have taken place. Oh God. See, and it was like Chopping Mall in that way too. Like Oh God! They spend a lot of time in housewares and shopping mall in the beginning too. <laughs> that's true, but then because that's where you lay down, sleep, and bang. Right, right. <laughs> but but this was um that was a legit mall. This was not a mall. This is the like you. It was actually a convention center. It's a wholesale place. It's called the Dallas Market Center, and they have lots of events there. But then they also have you can't get into this place unless you're a wholesale buyer, basically. Gotcha. And so I think that's what all those quote unquote shops are. They're not really shops. They're like offices and showrooms. Okay. But when I saw it, I was like, I think this movie was shot in Texas because I lived in Texas for six years of my childhood. And I remember just uh, the way that the flooring was in there and the big atrium thing and all that. I'm like, oh my God, this is so Texas. And sure enough, yeah, I looked it up. It's It was in Dallas. In fact, most of this was shot there and then on the campus of Southwest Baptist University, I guess. Gotcha. Southern Baptist University. And uh, yeah, I think it's in Fort Worth. So it's actually a great set piece. Like, oh, it is. Yeah. It looks really cool. Um, and it looks like a real environment. Like it doesn't look like a set most of the time. Um, because it is a real environment, obviously. Right. But they can they can do some kind of cool things with, you know, seeing people at a distance on different levels or seeing people because this atrium is so big, you know, you can have right. somebody in a, a shot, you know, right up close and then way, way behind them you can see somebody, you know, on the floors above or in an elevator above. So it's got that going for it. But it has that inherent shopping mall problem in horror movies because it's always an abandoned shopping mall and even though it's a very very large space if there are only like six people in it if some small noise happens anywhere right. in there it's going to reverberate through the whole space especially yes. by the nature of this one because it's literally like one enormous room yeah basically but the way you know the movie plays out is the way these movies often play out i, I think what was it? It was the one uh, that takes place in a grocery store that we were most critical of, where it was like, come on. Intruder, yeah. Yeah, intruder. A guy on aisle five is screaming, and certainly you're going to hear it way back in the meat room, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a Same great movie. Thing with... That was better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, I would rewatch that. I would not rewatch this. Yeah, for sure. But All right, the... well, we got to get to the trauma because it's at the center of the whole thing. Like, True. Too, too much so. Like, yeah. you could almost take this whole thing out and just make it somebody killing them in the mall, and that would almost be more interesting. But we have to have the childhood trauma. So it's a stormy night for inexplicable reasons we're panning through this room of a child but all of the doll's heads are ripped off which is never it's brought up again later but never explained i think i know okay all right well you can tell me later and then this little girl walks down this long creepy hallway and in my notes here's what i said little girl walks down hall sees mom some guy stabs him dad comes in catches fire like that's what I thought happened. So she sees mom with this guy, you know, they're banging, and then another man clothed comes in. But before that, she stabs the naked guy, like right. with scissors in the leg or something. And then the clothed guy comes in, and the naked guy and the clothed guy get in a fight. 
and the guy who's wearing a coat like falls to the ground in front of the fireplace and his clothes catch on fire and he burns and then Daphne Zuniga grown young adult Daphne Zuniga wakes up surrounded by sorority sisters and that's when we get into the whole this is pledge week pledges Kelly Beth Marcia and Allison do you hereby swear that in this last week of your pledge period you will complete your sacred duties to the best of your ability that you will obey your older and wiser active sisters and that you will do anything they ask no matter what the consequences so help you God I swear then rise pledges and let this night be heralded as the official commencement of your hell week prank night is going to be on Saturday and this is what the prank is going to be because your dad owns this big building you'll get us inside blah 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 okay we've already set all that up but yeah so that's what I saw from the opening scene. But then later, like Daphne Zuniga is haunted by this. Like she keeps having this dream. But when she tells somebody about it, she says, a strange man came in and I stabbed my dad. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you don't understand what happened here, do you? <laughs> well, either she doesn't or I don't. She, yeah. Right. Well, that's what that's, but that's what I'm saying. That's what am, am I stupid or yeah, are I was you thinking stupid? the same thing? Yeah, I was like, what? But so anyway, that's that whole backstory. Then there's the sorority thing. Then there's also, oh my god, this is so random. So she randomly mentions to one of her pledge sisters that she's interested in like the psychology of dreams. So then yeah. she goes and talks to this TA, <laughs> I think, named. Peter. No, I think it's a professor. Well, he's he's for sure a grad student. I no. don't, yes, I'm telling you, no. I know this. Um, okay, he, all right. But he does teach. I think that's why I say he's a TA because he does teach classes and grade papers. Oh, so that's where they kind of okay. Y- yeah, try to make it. and like at first he's mad at her. Uh, why dreams and nightmares? It's a fascinating subject. Excuse me, but it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm writing my doctoral thesis on dream analysis, would it? No. I mean, I didn't know. You didn't know? I have my own reasons, Mr. Adams. I'm sorry. I do get a lot of freshmen coming in here trying to brown nose their way through, you know? Oh, that's so dumb. Yeah, she's like, I didn't even know that you were into dream. And so it's supposed to be this instant connection moment between them. But the the idea that TA or professor, take your pick, is going to be mad because a student is doing a paper on what happens to be their specialty is basically the opposite <laughs> of how life works. A professor would be thrilled for a student oh, right. to do a topic on something that their life's work or study or whatever is in. I mean, it's it's exactly what they want more or less. So that was dumb. Well, and then also, like, I know that this happens in real life all the time, but he is a grown-ass adult, and she is a infant. (laughs) (laughs) But he's immediately, they're too close. (laughs) Immediately. And then, like, they are just openly a couple. I, I mean, not like a couple, but dating or seeing each other, whatever. And even if he is just a TA, that would still put him at, like, I don't know, 22. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's not that big a difference. It was kind of jarring seeing them together on screen because he looks yeah. significantly older. Like he could he does. maybe have played her dad. Yeah. <laughs> and she looks really young. And he was super familiar to me <laughs> because he's on Days of Our Lives. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew you'd But I didn't, I didn't know that. That's actually not why I... Because he's obviously 40 years older now. He looks significantly different. He's still a handsome man, but he looks significantly different. What I actually recognized him from, uh, he was Barbara Hershey's cheating husband in Beaches. <laughs> oh! Another, another great movie. We should do that movie. So. Oh, <laughs> <Just> God. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horror movie in a different way <laughs> oh, that's a great movie yeah uh, okay so oh so the whole the, the whole thing so she meets up with him and then he's like oh well i have a closet <laughs> that's not what he says obviously he, he's like i do i i'm doing dream studies in this little, what looks like a closet back stock room or something. And he's like, I hook you up to an EEG and then, I don't know. We <laughs> what, like, REM I, sleep and all that stuff. To I, what I, end? I don't really know. 
it's so funny because, like you said, it's so written, this movie. Because, I mean, one thing you have to say about it is it plunges you into this quite quickly. Now she's down in his closet. You know, he's showing her all the equipment. And then, boom, who happened to be, I don't know, under a desk for some reason? This grad student, you know, uh, assistant Heidi, or whatever, yeah. I guess that he says, pops up. Her name is uh, Heidi. Mm-hmm. And uh, he immediately makes a crack about her appearance, which I thought was uh, was hilarious. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. Though. Yo, he's like, oh, she's not very feminine, is she? Or something like that. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, and they, they introduce themselves. And then, and then Daphne Zuniga, whose name is Kelly, right? Yeah, yeah. Starts, starts fondling the equipment. <laughs> she's yeah. kind of running her hands along the dials and things on the stuff. And I was like, what is she doing? And she kind of goes off into la-la land for a second and then sees her face in the mirror and then, I, I don't know, I was like, is she possessed now? What's going on? I had no idea what was going on. Like, they're making a big deal out of mirrors the whole time. Yeah, too much. Yeah, too much. And, and not even just mirrors, but any reflection. And any time, maybe you can uh, enlighten me on this. Any time they were showing her, like, looking into a mirror, there was something uncanny about it. Like, it didn't really look like they were shooting Daphne Zuniga in front of a mirror. It almost looked like two... Do you know what I'm talking about? It, 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 Not really, no. <laughs> it, it looked like she was standing across from a video screen of herself yeah. rather than looking into a mirror. I think I know what you mean, because this movie didn't follow the kind of typical mirror... She was literally looking into a very clean, nice, square mirror every single time, no matter what mirror she was looking in. And it would just, her face would just kind of fill the whole thing. Or her body, like, yeah. Yeah, and it was just, it was weird. Because a lot of times in movies, you know, when people are looking into mirrors, they leave a little gap around there, and also they're showing a little bit of the background. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, they're trying to show something else in the background. Well, also usually when you have somebody looking into a mirror, you're looking, we, the audience, are usually looking at the back of their head and seeing yeah. and seeing their face reflected back at us. But in this, every single time, you see she's I guess she's supposed to be in profile because you see her face basically full on on in both like you're actually seeing her and seeing the reflection it's a stupid point it just stood out to me as being weird the reason it looks weird is because that that doesn't happen in real life like uh if she was staring into a mirror and she was in profile you would see her profile in there but they they purposely angled the mirror for movie purposes to show more of her face, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it looks uncanny. It's just because that's not how mirrors work unless they're angled for the purpose of showing more of that person's face in the camera. You're right. It doesn't look right for that reason. That I guess I, I can see what you're talking about now. Yeah. We need to get back to, okay, so like <laughs> immediately he's like, do you want to do a dream study? And she's like, I don't know. And then five seconds later, she's in the chair. And yeah. and we have to, <laughs> And there we are. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she goes to the bathroom, looks into a mirror, sees a reflection of her child self, like with blood, like, like from the, the from knife, the scene, yeah. from the original mm-hmm. scene. But we also skipped something because yes. right after the... An, introduction to the sorority girls we also go to a typical movie insane asylum where people are just yeah. acting ridiculous Talk um, about tropes. Yeah. and there's and there's a whole scene that makes absolutely no difference because all we need to know is that people broke out and we also need to be introduced to again i was confused as it turns out, this man that we're introduced to, he's burned, um, he's got burn scars on his hands and face. As it turns out, he's an inmate, but he's also the groundskeeper. But that was not clear to me at all. Like, Correct. I thought he was one or the other, and I was very confused as to what was happening. I thought he was the groundskeeper, because they don't refer to him as anything else. In fact, the, the inmates are all locked up, and he's outside tilling the the ground with his three-pronged instrument thing. I thought later when the cops are talking, or somebody's talking about it, they're like, including the inmate groundskeeper. But yes. I, I, Though that was thrown in at the end, at okay. the very end. So you're right, we didn't know this. We don't know, but, uh, I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit that it took me maybe five, ten minutes to remember that her dad, or, or whoever that was, that guy... 
that I thought was her dad in the original scene had been burned up. Like, oh. <laughs> I should have remembered that immediately. Like, it happened literally three minutes ago, and here we are yeah. being introduced to another character covered in burn scars, and it took me far too long to put two and two together. Oh, okay. I mean, I saw it right away because the burn scars were so freaking obvious. Yeah, pretty good, actually. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, n- nice makeup or whatever on it. But Which one of these guys? Is it him? Is it the burned guy? Or is it the other guy who's played by Clue Gulager? And why do I know him? We've seen him in a bunch of movies, right? <laughs> yeah, Clue Gulager. Was he in that evil uh, cat movie? Yeah, he he was that kind of drunk, weird guy in the evil cat movie, remember? that That's uh, like drunk half the time and trying to steer the boat. Yeah. Uh, the uninvited, right? Yeah. He was like a child actor in the 40s. I mean, he's been all over television. Uh, I think we chatted a little bit about him when we were doing that cat movie, but uh, mostly like cowboy roles and things like that. But he actually played her stepfather. Although well, it's a she mystery. She doesn't know. Right. Oh, God. I, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's easy for the audience to put together what's going on. And it event like when she throws that out, when she says I stabbed my dad and then this weird guy came in, like immediately it was like, I am confused because that is not how I read that situation at all. Yeah. But as the movie goes on, it becomes pretty clear that we were right. And for whatever reason, she doesn't remember that. Right. Yeah. Her stepdad, Dwight is played by clue Gulager and her mother is played by, Vera Miles, who was in oh, yeah. Psycho and Psycho 2. Uh, and The Searchers, and, uh, I mean, yeah, she is a, a classic Hollywood gal. And, yeah. And she brought a nice classic Hollywood feel to her role. I she mean, really did. I really liked her. I did, too. And he was fine, too. I mean, he, I, honestly, the, the two parents, they might have been two of the most convincing, sort of normal-feeling, you know, movie parents I've seen in a horror movie in a while. Except for they were living this... <laughs> Again, this sort of tropey. I don't know what it is uh, about these '80s films, and especially these '80s horror movies, and it always ends up being the final girl's parents, where they live in this very opulent house, and they're super rich. And the reason why we know they're rich and opulent is they walk around wearing clothes that nobody would wear. That's exactly what I was just gonna say. Like, who does that? They eat at <laughs> dinner tables with like fine china. She's pouring tea out of like a silvered uh, tea kettle. And uh, they're lit candles on the table and yeah. they're sitting, you know, way far apart from each other, you know, like all on the same side of the table. I mean, it's just it's just so silly, but it's a thing. Well, and the dad's stepdad is like smarmy and off talking to his mistress on the phone and and she overhears it. But then right. but then <laughs> doesn't do anything about it. Okay, except for people. When do people start getting killed? I don't even remember. Oh, like, no. Well. Has nobody been killed yet? My God, we've been talking for half an hour. So much happens. Well, here's the pro- here's part of the issue. And, and I meant to say this in the beginning, but I didn't. We, we keep talking about the writing. The guy who wrote this is Charles Pratt Jr. He's a soap opera writer. He was writing soaps. <laughs> he was writing General Hospital. And then later, The Young and the Restless and stuff. Like hundreds, hundreds and thousands of episodes. And he was asked by New World Pictures to do a, a script for a horror script for them. And so that's why this movie is so soapy is because he was doing that kind of thing and so that makes a lot of sense to me actually Mm -hmm. there's too much story that makes sense like that's that's what soaps are all about soaps are all about intrigue and drama and you don't need that in a slasher movie at all overly dramatic yeah exactly (laughs) but but we're we're sitting here going when is anyone gonna die and the first person who dies, I think, is the nurse yeah. at the inmate asylum, which, you know, we see her for one thing, and then she's, she's killed in the process of leaving. And she's killed by that same garden implement. Exactly. I, I, I googled, what is a garden fork called? <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, a garden fork. It's called a garden fork. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Thanks for man. looking that up. So but, I didn't but that's have to. right. I don't know what that so he, it's like a garden fork, like a three tined fork, you know, for digging or whatever. And this is what we had seen the burn guy working with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't know if it's, uh, it feels giallo to me because you see yeah. his hands and, and forearms all the time, or whoever it is, you see their hands <laughs> and forearms. He even has gloves on. They're yeah. just plastic see-through, not plastic black see-through <laughs> gloves. But also like the gray long sleeves of a workman's 
uniform that we had seen that guy in. Yeah. And we know this guy escaped. Yeah. So on the one hand, it seems like they're being obvious about who it is without showing the face, but on at the same time trying to be coy about sly it. about it. Like I, I yeah, I it was difficult for me to figure out and so the whole time I'm thinking well, it's it's too. It can't be that guy. That's yeah. too obvious. It can't be him. If if they were going to be that obvious about it, they would just show his face. Yeah. And so I didn't know what was going on. And that one is not really explained. But they they do. God, I don't remember. A bunch of people get killed, like eleven people or something. Uh, By the killed. end of it, but it takes a while for before anyone we know gets killed. Yeah. Right. Like I think I don't know if it's next, uh, but is the father. Oh, that's right. Because we also get killer POV shots mm-hmm. throughout, which were good. I liked those. It actually. was fine. I mean, it was yeah. it was very standard Halloween stuff. But the dad or stepdad or whoever he <laughs> he's going to meet his mistress, and he leaves in his car. And well, he goes to get in his car, and he gets stabbed in the neck, and then gets beheaded. I think with a machete. Again, the only time we see a machete. Yeah. I love it that he's outside walking to his car and we get that killer POV and he goes, who's out there? Anyone out there? And then as part of the crickets chirping and things, there's an actual shot of an owl hooting. That was so hilarious. I wasn't paying that close attention. An insert shot of an owl hooting. I was like, is this the Wizard of Oz? Are we in a kid's movie? (laughs) You're going to show us that, you know, the woods are spooky and scary at night by showing us an owl? (laughs) I feel like he gets beheaded in silhouette. Now that you say it, I don't know. You see some stabbings and stuff. There's some blood. It's not Mm, super gory, though. No. It's all right. It's stabbing and blood. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. He gets his head cut off, I think, in silhouette. And then it cuts back into his wife, and she notices that he's left his glasses behind. She walks out onto the porch to see the car driving away, and she goes, Sometimes I think that man would forget his head if it wasn't attached. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, you didn't appreciate that? I thought that was so stupid. I mean... (laughs) It's funny, I guess. It's a little too obvious. Yeah. Right. It's pretty right. dumb. The only other thing, before they get to the mall, uh, she does that dream study, and Peter comes up with, like, five words. Do you, I don't even remember what they were. It was like... This is so much gobbledygook. I don't even remember. Do you, Did you write anything down about that? Because uh, it, no. like, it was like he had figured out the key to her psychosis or something. He's like, it's like scissors, mirror, father, mother, something else, something else. And he's all there talking about it to her. And it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo stuff. And then his grad assistant springs in and says, no, I disagree because there, if you look clearly at here, she wasn't in REM sleep. Are you suggesting it's some psychic manifestation? Yes, I believe that's what it was. Oh, that's garbage. You know, that's not very scientific. Yada, yada. Well, how else do you explain it? And then she storms off mad and so they have a disagreement. I know, they have that whole fight about, oh. it must be psychic activity. Once again, never mentioned again. Like, no. <laughs> so many random things just that are just throwaways. Like, well, oh, she, she must be like psychic or something. Okay, well, we will never speak of it. <laughs> now, that is how I interpreted that. But I do wonder if it's just a mistake of terminology, because I think ultimately what we later learn is that he believes it's a dream and she believes that it's an actual memory. And so I think that's what they were kind of fighting about. But when you throw that word psychic in there, that's all we think about is it's like she's psychic, like she can read minds or see the future. Well, something to do later on, something to do, again, we're kind of jumping around because it jumps back to these people periodically while the girls and guys are in the mall but eventually they determine that because of mirrors yes <laughs> that kelly has multiple personalities and is schizophrenic what like yeah. this they, is so dumb these grad students doing a dream study figure out that because she dreams of mirrors she has multiple personalities with the touch of schizophrenia. <laughs> and it's because Kelly uh, has been chatting with her mom over the dinner table that she's in this dream study. And for whatever reason, her mom is, like, upset by it. 
She's like, no, you shouldn't be revisiting this. I want you to stop it at once. And she's like, I will study. I will go out with whoever I want to go out with. And I'll study <laughs> whatever I want to do. You don't tell me what to do. And she storms out. So at some point, she's back doing this dream study thing. But he's decided to hypnotize her this time. So they're back in the closet on campus. Meanwhile, there are shots of mom who's driving to the campus looking for her. And I have no idea, number one, why mom has driven to the campus to look for her. Uh, except I thought, well, maybe because her her husband hasn't shown up, you know, the next day. And so maybe she's just looking for her in general. And then she somehow manages to find the closet that they're doing this hypnosis thing in. Uh-huh. And when she walks in on them, ha- on them doing it, this girl's reliving her memory of this night. And she's like, dolls, dolls with the heads, you know, broken off. And the guy's like, did you break the heads off the dolls? And she's like, no, no, not me. And then she kind of says a bunch of other things, and then she seems very upset, and that's when the mom bursts in and is like, what are you doing? And it seems like he's trying to pull her out of the dream by calling her name, but she's not coming out of this hypnotic state, and uh-huh. her mom just goes, it's uh, Kelly Randall, not Fairchild. Oh my God, that is such a soap opera moment. Now that, now that I know that this was written by a soap opera guy, that is such, like... The reveal. She's not responding because that's not her real name. Right. Like, like she's not who you think she is. Oh my god, that's hilarious. So she says that, he wakes her up, she's upset, she runs out, and the mom has words with the guy, and the guy's like, Why did you call her Randall? And the mom's just like, I'm not gonna tell you, and just walks out. I'm like, Yeah, what? This is a major point here that we're just gonna drop until later when it's convenient to bring it up again. When Heidi does research, yeah, Heidi, the oh my gosh, (laughs) Heidi eventually, like, when it's far too late, Heidi, uh, they just put it all together, like, they they just put the whole story together from like newspaper clippings and stuff, and they realize that Kelly's dad was the inmate gardener or whatever and so he's out and they they think she must be in danger or something oh god i I did want to say that hypnosis part daphne zuniga was surprisingly good in that part i thought like she seemed to me the way that she was talking when she was under it was so different than I don't know it felt childlike and sleepy and there was a yeah contrast yeah I, I I really enjoyed her in that moment even though it's really stupid like this guy this uh, Peter the TA or whatever not only does he study dreams but he's also a hypnotist like what <laughs> I know right <laughs> it's all it's all perfect and I love you know I, I'm not gonna pretend like I know a lot about hypnotism but in these movies they just pretend like they act like it's just oh let's just hypnotize somebody like <laughs> Right. <laughs> Close like, your eyes. Now I'm just going to talk to you. And yeah, you're feeling very sleepy, right? And you're gonna yeah. you're gonna explore all of your most traumatic childhood experiences. But I'm sure it'll be fine. Me, a TA, you know, I know what I'm doing. It'll be okay. Now we've passed by the party. Yeah, why not? Aside from the fact that it was fun because it was a costume party, does anything of consequence happen there? No, it just sort of introduces suddenly some new male characters that later on we're going to need to remember that they exist. Are That's we? Really- <laughs> well, very good point. They're, they're just fodder. <laughs> I mean, they, they do. They I mean, they as, as much as they try to give these young people, the vast majority of this movie takes place in a mall, and we haven't even started talking about that yet, but there's really not a whole lot to talk no. about. Because at the party... The vast majority of this movie does not take place in this mall. I don't think they like get it. to the mall until about an hour in. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it just maybe the mall part just felt so long it dragged so long but really like it was like an hour and 10 minutes into this movie before oh i was like when is this initiation going to happen because i'm waiting for initiation stuff in the beginning you know they have all the thing with the candles and they're telling them that they're going to have this prank and then it's not until the last 30 minutes or so that they do this prank right and get into the mall right and it's it's the th- Three, there were four initiates, but one of them mouthed off to the leader girl, Beth, and and yeah. so she she ended up going home. So uh, three initiates, the thirty five year old <laughs> sorority girl, 
that girl looked, I swear to God, like I thought she was surely their house mother. <clears throat> but no, she was supposed to be a, around their age, I guess. Do you mean their pledge trainer, Megan? Yes, their pledge. Oh, yeah, not Megan Beth. Was their pledge yeah, Megan, sorry. Yeah, Beth was the one who went back to her room. Beth, Beth, who like suddenly out of nowhere, they're in the middle of getting ready for this thing. This girl who we've barely seen suddenly objects to absolutely everything that's happened to her in her life until that moment with this sorority. This is crazy. You've gone too far, Megan. I didn't come to college for this Girl Scout shit. We're grown women. Look at us. Candles, prepubescent songs. We should be doing something instructive, something positive. Not breaking into a stupid department store. And storms off and quits. And I'm like, is this going to be important? Why no, do I give no. A shit? You know? She needs to be. <laughs> it's very important that she be back at the dorms to take a phone call later. That is the the only That's reason. The whole reason. Yeah. They could have it's cut so her entire character. It is entirely unnecessary. Oh, God, it's so silly. I mean, I expected her to go off on by herself and die. No. The rest mm-hmm. of them... Okay, so for every girl, there's also a male counterpart, except for, for Kelly, because her guy is Peter, and he's not there. But the rest of them all have these doofy, like, Three Stooges cartoon guys um, <laughs> that they're there with. It's another trope for these movies. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna really complain too much about that, because... That's kind of what I watch these slashers for. Right. That's actually kind of the fun part. Like, that's what... Yeah. Oh, God. But they do. They they tried to overwrite the characters. I didn't care. I don't know. On, on the one hand, I felt like they tried to overwrite them. On the other hand, I didn't even know who they were. It took no. me forever. Like, all the guys looked exactly the same. I couldn't get their names. Me either. It took me forever. I had to keep going back and, like, filling in names. as, the, And, and <laughs> I would notice that they would say... Every time anybody spoke to Marsha, they addressed her by name. And then there's <laughs> another girl, a blonde girl, uh, who takes her top off. They just refused to say her name. <laughs> like, I'm like, come on, somebody! Which, which matters Allison, to us since we're trying to <laughs> write down their names. It probably wouldn't matter to you watching the movie, but it, it was it, it's glaring for us, right? Yeah, right before they get into the mall, we see the mall security guard, the one mall security guard in this enormous building he gets killed again i think with the 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 garden fork yes he's the third person to get killed and aside from the father okay these are just random people you know i mean we're so far it's not a great slasher (laughs) there hasn't been a lot of slashing and uh it just hasn't been it's just like oh here's a person now they're dead uh kind of situation so well, and that's but what now it, they're in the mall, right? And now they're in the mall, and one of the infuriating things is that they—I I guess they don't have any real reason to be scared, but they just keep splitting up for seemingly no reason. Oh yeah, and you know, initially, like the, the when the three girls first go in, uh, Kelly's like, "You stay here at the security place, and you go cause a diversion, and I'm gonna go somewhere else to get a spare uniform, and then we'll all come back together." I thought they might start getting picked off. Nope, no such luck. No. They just go off and do their things, come back together. Then the boys and oh, what's that dumb girl's name? Megan come in to mess with them Mm -hmm. and they do kind of mess with them for a while but not really no by messing with them i mean like jumping out at them with masks on and like rolling bowling balls down a hallway or something but they take their time with it you know one of two of them are banging and again everything that happens in here even if you just talked to another character in one of these hallways it's going to be heard throughout the entire ball so um, it, it doesn't really ring true, and it doesn't have a sense of urgency or place or what's going on. They're just randomly chit-chatting with each other and joining up and splitting up and joining up and splitting up. And the reason they don't just leave right after they get the uniform of this guy, which they actually go to the guard's lounge to get a yeah. spare uniform that they're going to leave, is because um, Kelly, no, uh, Megan or whatever, has locked the door, yeah. um, locked them in. So they're trying to find her. Once they realize she's there, they're trying to find her to get the keys. And the boys are hijinks are happening, but nothing right. really interesting. No. Megan and her guy, Andy, are getting freaky on an enormous pile of rugs, which that might be fun. 
<laughs> I never, I ne- it never occurred to me like an enormous pile of rugs. That, that could be yeah, cool. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But there, and then they start running around. I don't remember how he gets killed. She gets um, shot with a uh, crossbow. Yeah. Because fortunately, there's a sporting goods store, and the killer can get knives and crossbows. And all har- the doors are open to all these stores. Yeah, they don't have any problem going in. No, they're not locked or anything. Yeah. So I don't. They both get killed. And then that's when we have the strange breakfast club confessional moment. Like that <laughs> that one girl, this one girl they've been kind of teasing throughout the whole movie about the fact that she's a virgin. And in this weird moment where they're all sitting around like a dining room table in a department store, she's like, I'm not a virgin. <laughs> I don't even want to... I don't even want to say it. Roll the clip because I don't even want to say it. It's gross. And like, why... Why? Yeah. And she says at the end of it, and I've never told anybody about it ever, not even my mom. And then she immediately hops in bed with the goofy guy who's been right? throwing himself at her all night. Because like, that all makes sense. That was weird. I mean, not like I care, but and, and in fact, remove that weird, gross story, and fine, pop them in bed together. That's great. I don't care. But like yeah. coming right after this story about how she was like, raped when she was 12 ew yeah that's not sexy that's not like setting a mood it treats it kind of lightly you know i don't mean treats it for comedy i just mean there's no real respect for reality here the character or you know any emotional reality yeah because uh this woman who didn't this girl's been teased this whole time it's kind of nice i mean she's you know just sort of yeah she's nice pleasant nice girl whatever who gets teased a lot now reveals no she's not a virgin because she was raped by her violin teacher when she was 12 and then the guy next to her is like oh well i'll i like you or whatever and then they go off and then they have sex and i mean yeah the guy the guy who was her date he was her date to the costume party, and he literally was a big dick. Like, that yeah, was did. his costume. Yeah. He tried to come on to her by, like, help saying he could, like, cure her of her virginity cure her or something. virginity. So gross. Like, so he's set up as, a like, a creep anyway. And then they try to redeem him. Like, after they bang, he makes a joke, and she's like, yeah, you sure have lots of jokes. And he's like, well, that's how I cover up my insecurities. And... Like the movie, the movie, the movie is trying to like, oh, look at these two sweet damaged people. Isn't that sweet? And then he gets harpooned. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember what happens to her. She, you know, she gets killed. Uh, it's off screen though. Yeah. No. Um. She gets chased or whatever, and then the the next time we see her, we see her body being dragged around a corner. That's right. And then Al, then Allison has, and she has a guy, and her guy goes off to take a piss or something, and she eventually finds him with his throat cut. And so now she knows that there are dead people. She goes to tell Kelly, and Kelly's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I want to see." <laughs> Kelly goes and finds right. it. Kelly goes and she sees and finds it. Okay. And so now we're getting cl- So she tells Allison, because Allison doesn't want to go back and look at the bodies again. She's like, all right, just go hang out at the security desk and I'll come and get you. Well, Allison goes to the security desk and gets slaughtered. Yeah. And then Kelly comes and like just sees blood everywhere. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then we start, she sees, I, I think she she's the last one now. Wait a minute, though. Yeah. But now, in the meantime, it's been cutting from this to Peter... Stupid who Peter. is trying to track him da- her down because once um once Heidi has come to him with all of her research and he realizes that uh, her her father escaped from the mental institution he's trying to find her and he calls the sorority house and there's no answer at the sorority house because Beth is in the shower yeah. so then he's like I'm gonna drive to her mom's place and he goes to her he tries to call her mom but her mom picks up the phone and just lays it down. Right. So now he's got to drive out to her mom's place. So he drives out to her mom's place, and she's just like in this weird daze. Well, it's because she just found out her husband's dead. Right. He just found his body. But she opens the door. It's very dramatic. Opens the door, brings him in. She's just kind of there. He's like, oh, you need to find, you know, what's going on? She says that he was dead, that he was found on the thing. He's like, where's Kelly? She says, I don't know. She's got to be at the place. Then he calls again from there, and finally Beth is out of the shower. So she's able now to pick up the phone and say, oh, yeah, they were playing this prank over at, you know, her dad's uh, department store. That was the biggest waste of five minutes. He's like, all right, well, I got to run over there and do that. You need to call the police and make sure they meet me there. He tells the wife that. I don't know why he didn't just call the police real quick. Or why he just didn't he know that, that they were know going to be. I don't know she ever does. 
So then he leaves and uh, is heading to the department store. So all this is going on as well. It's trying to create this moment, I think, of tension where everything's going to converge in that store at this point now where Kelly is by herself. By herself, but she's also seen somebody dragging one of the bodies around, Mm -hmm. and we've seen that it's that burned guy. Now, she still doesn't have any idea who that is, supposedly, but um, Peter knows that that's her dad. Okay, now at this point, I didn't know what to think because... Again, I'm sitting, I'm watching this in my living room. Alan is sitting behind me. And early on in the movie, I said, I think Daphne Zuniga did it. Right. Because she's never around when somebody gets killed, but she's always immediately there in the aftermath. Like the, like the very next scene, she pops in every single time. Mm. And so I, I thought, I think she's doing it. She's crazy. Especially since uh, they said... She's got multiple personalities. But then this guy is there and he's dragging the bodies around. Yep. I didn't I didn't know I didn't know what to think at this point. Yeah. Is this is this when we get to the big reveal that really Almost. Almost. Okay, they end up right. on the roof. They end up on the roof and uh, oh, right. this man this burned up man is following her and she's uh, they're kind of at the edge and she picks up a uh, lead pipe and smacks him and he falls off the roof of this place which had to be I don't know, 20 stories tall, really, really high up, into a bo- bunch of cardboard boxes. At this moment, Peter pulls up, comes up, looks at this guy, sees who he is. The guy is still conscious and saying something. And then Peter just leaves him <laughs> and goes inside. <laughs> yeah. God. So then he goes inside. So he's inside looking for her. And so she comes down off the roof. She thinks that it's over because she's knocked this guy off the top. Does she get hit or something? I don't remember how it comes about. No, no. Peter Peter comes in. Right. Yeah. Oh, right, right. He comes in and he goes to her and he like embraces her and they're like, oh, it's over or whatever. And then she stabs him. And I was like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was her. It was crazy. And then in my notes, I have, wait, <laughs> there's two of them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have any problem with a good evil twin story. That's fine. But this pisses me off because yeah. there was nothing, nothing to suggest is, that we might... There are the barest of hints in retrospect. This is what? where the doll thing comes in. Okay, I don't she get it. She didn't tear the heads off her dolls. Her sister tore the heads off her dolls. And I think, I didn't bother to do this, but they keep making this big deal about the mirrors or whatever. I suppose if you went back and looked at her dream, uh-huh. you would see that she is looking in mirrors, and instead of seeing herself, that's actually her sister in the mirror. Okay. Because she's in the hallway, and then suddenly she's stabbing okay. her dad. Okay. That was actually her sister. So, I mean, but try to decode that in the process. It's never going to happen. They're not strong enough hints. And then her mom at one point, like when when, uh, Peter leaves her uh, to go to the mall and she's supposed to call the police, she makes a comment that says, it's happening again. Yeah, but that could be anything. It could (laughs) be Like, that could be diarrhea. Like... It could be. I mean, it's a very ominous line. Right, I get it. I get in retrospect that she's talking about. But I, I have so many questions, though. They are presumably still living in the same community. Like, how do you keep no. all this hidden from the rest of the community? Oh, right, right. How does anybody, you know, there's this murder. There was this guy who was in the flames and he was put in a mental institution. All this shit's reported in the paper. Her new husband, uh, who was the guy that, you know, she was banging that got stabbed. Right. Is like this super important guy who's got this giant department store. Suddenly, they were able to concoct this story that she fell out of the treehouse, and then she lost her memory, and they just made her forget she had a sister, and nobody ever else ever brought this up to her? Yeah. Ever? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So, it's it turns out, not only did this man escape from the mental institution, but her twin sister was there, too. And I think... That woman who we never saw her face, who was staring down at the window at the man. Remember who starts kind of pounding her fist against uh, against her leg? Yeah. Um, that inmate. I think that's supposed to have been her twin sister. Oh. And 
wrong. Yeah, but then back at the asylum, back back like, at the asylum, early yeah. early on in the very first asylum scene. Yeah, I didn't. It's both of them, you know, escape from the asylum, and uh, she makes a comment to Daphne. Well, they're both Daphne Zuniga. By the way, she did a great job of playing both sides of this. Oh game. my god, uh, the crazy one was hilarious it was great it was hilarious it was (laughs) hilarious i mean (laughs) what do you expect from this movie though (laughs) it was really funny i really really enjoyed it oh it was funny and they've got her made up funny like like oh yeah with bags under her eyes and her hair is a little scraggly she looks looks different you know yeah they've like boo radleyified her it's funny (laughs) That's right. Oh, my but, God. Um, she explains. She's like, I don't even know what she says, but she's like, Daddy was cleaning up after me. After what? The, that's, oh, my God. So, right. So, like, all of that killer POV, that was her. She was the killer. The dad was just trailing around behind her, like, cleaning up the mess. That's which, so again, dumb. I know. It, it is really stupid. <laughs> no, no. It would make a lot more sense if the dad... I don't know. Maybe he was doing it for her or something. Right, right, or, right, doing it for her, or if he were trying to get ahead of her mm, to get to Kelly, that would make sense. To warn her or something. Yeah, or... but just trailing along behind her doesn't really make any sense. Well, I just want to know then what was the dad's motivation? What was his thing through this whole thing? I, I mean, don't know. It, so he's escaped, but he's cleaned up after his daughter. Maybe because he loves her, he's trying to protect her. Okay, but then he's also trying to maybe get ahead of her at least when it comes to his other daughter and warn her right are we supposed to to think that when he was coming after her on the roof he really wanted to warn her or uh, i I guess there's no way to know well i mean i guess you could it kind of makes sense that he would be protective of the crazy one because the crazy one is the one who stabbed his like nemesis or whatever. Yeah. They were so they were kind of they were kind of playing on the same team. And if I, this is so stupid, why are we speculating about this? That it but like and then if they had been in that asylum together, maybe he was watching out over her there too. Yeah, maybe they were both just in cahoots and they both wanted her sister dead as well. Maybe. And and why? I don't really know. I don't know really understand what their motivation was for going on this crazy killing spree of all of her friends and shit why weren't they just cutting to the chase that right that doesn't even make any sense like okay so her name is never mentioned in the movie but she's credited the evil one is credited as terry and terry says that her what she's gonna do she's gonna kill kelly because she's pissed off like kelly got this great life she was rich and had everything she ever wanted and terry says that she i'm going to kill you and i'm gonna steal your identity basically right but if if that was Just what she wanted that. to do right well why would she kill all of her friends like, yeah. <laughs> either way you've got a body to get rid of right like yeah. you, it's not a case of where because she makes it sound like she's she's setting her up well she's setting her dad up is what she's doing right she's like yeah, now right. he'll take everyone's yeah. gonna think that daddy killed all these people and i'm gonna kill you and then uh, hide you i guess and then i'm gonna take your place well why didn't you just go and kill her and take her place right that's the easiest that thing would, to do well because she's crazy i don't know it's, yeah that's it it's funny it would it's be convoluted. A real, it would it would have been a much much shorter movie shorter if she, movie, you know. right? um that may have been okay but anyway so so the crazy one's got the pretty one <laughs> the crazy one the crazy one's got the pretty one down on the ground and it looks like she's gonna kill her and then terry is shot from behind and i didn't know who this was gonna be but it ends up being the mother, which I actually kind of liked. Yeah, I like that too. And then it, it seemed like maybe the mother and Kelly could, I, I don't know, repair their relationship. She's and making lives things and right. Right, making right, things exactly. Right, yeah. But then it cuts outside to show us that Peter is still alive, even though he got stabbed in the gut with like a 12-inch knife. Um, (laughs) And the dad is still alive. Now, I don't think that that was a 20-story building, but I would say probably at least six or eight stories. And I am just... I. A movie is never going to convince me that you can fall off an eight-story building into a pile of trash and just be fine. Like, <laughs> right. it's, I don't believe it. But that's the end. The end. Yeah. <sighs> what a movie. It's Oh, and then the end credits music was the same four bars repeated over and over again at different octaves. I thought uh, 
I don't know if it was as distracting for you as it was for me anyway. There were lots of things that were distracting. One of the things that was distracting in this movie was that the uh, opening credits were just white lettering on black background, and it went on for what felt like a week. Felt like they were stretching for time more than anything. I know. And then another thing that bothered me is there were some scenes in the movie that were out of focus. Oh, yeah. For a while. And other scenes where they were clearly just showing us a frame of yeah. something and it was like really evident or something mm-hmm. it, it, well and even like um one of the guys who died who got his uh throat cut you see him a couple of times but it's just a freeze frame of him yeah. it calls itself out like yeah it's obvious like if 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 this was the only print you had of this scene where these two girls are talking about nothing important and you didn't have it in focus cut it out <laughs> like, yeah don't the lack don't of focus in. in several more than once more than once on something where yeah like you said two people are right there in the foreground talking about something and they are out of focus the whole time it's really surprising the movie, I think it, it had two directors. Originally, there was a guy named Peter Crane, who's a UK director, who was brought in uh, originally for the project. And then he was kind of going over budget real, real fast. And they said that he had this sort of European sensibility about him. He was trying to do cool, funky camera angles and things like that. and was just wasting a lot of time and money when they needed something that was just a little more pedestrian, mainstream slasher formula. And that's when they brought in uh, Larry Stewart. Uh, yeah, but whoever in. they were, the producers or whoever made that <laughs> decision i think they made the wrong decision i think yeah, that i think that this movie would have worked a lot better if it had been more like Stylistic. the italian slashers um yes i 100 percent agree with you in fact i think i think that was something that they had said was like this is too giallo and we just need it to be more standard american and that's when they booted him off but they kept a lot of his stuff in there and you can tell from what i read it's the, the earlier stuff in the sorority house with the you know the um, asylum the sisters, yeah and a lot of the pov stuff was from him and you know you can tell it stylistically it's very different from the rest of the movie you know uh, it's very different from chopping mall in that i think chopping mall is so fun because it gets right into the action yes there's a lot of people to kill off and they're being pursued the whole time Whereas this is just over an hour of soap opera storyline. A few random people get killed, uh, but we don't care about them. We don't know what's going on. We're and totally not in confused. interesting ways. Well, the, and, and the effect, the blood, there's no good gore effects in here at all. Uh, what we saw didn't bother me. I thought it looked fine. I mean, it was just blood. Well, that's what I mean. There was no, you know, this is what these movies kind of like, that's a box they often have to check. Like, we've got The Prowler, you know, which is a movie that doesn't really have a lot going for it, except the gore effects are freaking amazing. So I just felt like uh, a movie like this might have uh, tried harder in that department. Right, I get it. And it was almost like, it was kind of like they tried to to shake things up, but in just the most boring, I don't know. like Nonsensical. Uh, well, <laughs> it, like, okay, so his, his regular MO, the killer's regular MO is that garden fork, but... He can cut one guy's head off with a machete that must have just been laying around in the driveway. And (laughs) um, he can shoot somebody with a crossbow, and he can shoot somebody with a harpoon, and he can get somebody in the back with an axe. And Mm -hmm. but it's just like grab bag. It, It doesn't. There's no sense to it. There's no logic to it. It's just. I guess because there's a sporting goods store in the mall, he has access to all these things. But it's just, it's not. Like, I feel like they were maybe trying to make the kills more creative, but they're not. I've seen every single one of them before. It's just a hodgepodge of things from other movies. Well, he must have been working in cahoots with her because there were definitely moments where there was a man there who was trying to grab the girls and who was killing them, for sure. Like, he crawled into the elevator at one point, remember? Yeah, vaguely. So, I mean... I don't know. I was bored. Me too. I had it playing on one computer screen, and I'm typing my notes on the other computer screen and, you know, maybe flipping over to something else on my computer yeah. like because it just it was uh it was all right i don't want to dog it too much because it's not terrible it's we've we've seen worse we've seen worse slashers we've seen lazier films um it's it's just 
okay. It's a very yeah. typical 1980s slasher. There's really not much special about it, except for that Daphne Zuniga is in it, and she's pretty and cute, and I like her. But other than that, yeah, it's just, it's not memorable. It's it not at all boring. memorable. Yeah, that's the worst thing, right? If you're an hour into the movie and you're kind of bored and you're like, I thought I was watching a slasher. When's a slashing gonna happen? It's not good when you're watching your when you're checking your watch an hour in, and I sure was. But uh, anyway, thank you very much for Leah and uh, Gary for recommending this to us. Thank you to all of our patrons for uh, selecting it. It was definitely on our list. We, I was super excited. Had very high hopes for this movie. Still glad to have seen it. Still enjoyed watching Daphne Zuniga up there. Yeah. I mean, as well as like uh, Vera Miles, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I liked was, her. It was cool to see her in there. So, yeah, yeah there's, it had a few things. Just, But anyway, this is why we watch these, and this is why we value requests from you guys yep. as well, because we'll often get to see movies we wouldn't have picked out by ourselves. And that means that next week we're going to be doing The Fun House, which is directed by Toby Hooper, another film I haven't seen, but uh, has been on my list for quite a while, and I'm really excited to watch it. So we'll see how that turns out. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with a friend. Uh, you can find us online just by Googling Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. Join our patron community and uh, help us pick out these movies. So we have nice little conversations going on uh, on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast. I've actually started posting some little snippets, little previews that you can see of the mini-sodes that we do uh, a few times a month. Just just to give you a little taste and maybe uh, convince you that maybe you need to, uh, to become a patron. So Support us, uh, join the community, and get access to those full episodes that we put out every month. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Chainsaw.